Guys, welcome back to the Can't Take a Joke podcast. We got a real treat for you today. We are joined by Ushindi Namagabi. Uh, and he's here to talk about us. Ushindi. I've been <laughs> saying Ushindi for five years. For five just years. Just now said something. Just now told us that for the last five years. So, Ushindi. I've been saying his name wrong. <laughs> it's I just all met good. Him, so now I know how to say his name. You did not just meet me. This is like, well, official, like actually hanging out. No. In passing. We hung out a lot. You trained me at the Starbucks, remember? <laughs> oh my god bro come on now what up i didn't i wasn't, I wasn't there for that long oh, hey. that, was, that was a that was a that was a foggy time in my life foggy time, that was yeah. a foggy time but what's oh my god that's yeah, crazy it's been uh what like, 2016 yeah it's been like five yeah. or five or six years remember oh. the crazy manager we used to have oh uh what was her name? i don't want to say don't say her name, uh, uh, <laughs> don't say her name. <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. She was insane, she was man. Crazy. No, dude, I'm gonna find like a little bleep clip that I can just put <laughs> yeah over so a name. Yeah, I think uh, it was Mignon. Mignon. Oh god. Uh, 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 Mignon. Mignon. Yeah, something like that. that. She was, she was <laughs> crazy, bro. I didn't say her last name. She nuts. I remember she. Oh, dude, so many stories from Starbucks. <laughs> but she like walked out and abandoned me one time, mm-hmm. and then I walked out and I got into like a like a screaming match with like the head managers of Harris Teeter. And they were like, get back the, to the, your department. And I was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing shit. So I was like, I've been here for like three yeah. hours over. And I'm like, my, this person didn't show up. My own manager walked out. I'm like, I'm not going back there. <laughs> yeah, I really loved how like, you know, Alex was always this like, just laid back kind of guy who just did not give a crap. You know, <laughs> he just did his thing and that was it. <laughs> I was like, I had the whole, I mean, it's probably like a, it's a very like different mindset, but I was just like, what are you guys going to do? You're going to fire me. I'm the only one who shows up here 10 hours a day, every day. Like yeah. back, like back then, like we had like 10 night people, but like three day people. So there are spans at start at Harris Teeters, like Starbucks where I'd be there for like seven hours. Nobody, nobody there, completely by myself, and then get, her, get harassed because I'd put up a back and five sign to go to the bathroom. Hmm. Like I gotta pee, bro. So I'd put up a back and five, and then someone'd be like, "Where'd you go?" I'm like, <laughs> "To pee, you fuck." I'm, and they're like, well, "Why, why were you no- peeing on the clock? If yeah, nobody yeah. else was gonna man your station, you just left." The Starbucks yeah. is losing money because of you. Yeah, obviously, right? But like, literally, like. Uh, I would get so upset. What's up, though, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my podcast. Just had to, had, just had to yeah. get that repressed memory out. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome nah, to the podcast. It's funny because the first time Andrew told me about the podcast, <laughs> that door. Yeah, that's loud. Yeah. I was like, Alex, no way. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. I was like, because I walked in here, because like they would just talk about you. I walked in here and I'm like, I know this person. Yeah. And like, because you were like, what's up again? And I was like thinking that I met you drunk at a party, so yeah. I just play it off. I I happen to do that. Someone will stop me on the street. I'm like, dude, what's going on, man? How have you been? And in my head, I'm like, oh my god, so great, dude. How are you? Like, I gotta pretend like I know him because I probably ran into him at a party and I don't remember. So I thought that was it. But we actually had a we had fun sober occasion times. So yeah. there we go. We did have a lot of sober time. it's funny (laughs) at at work i remember one time in high school i showed up at a party and i found ushindi standing there with a beer in his hand what 
And I was when like, was this? He doesn't even remember. I, I don't. It was. I don't even know whose party it was. But as soon as oh, I showed it up, was outside, the, right? Yeah, the fucking fire. Yeah, fire department yeah. Show. It's so funny you mentioned that because that was actually one of my first high school parties. I'm like, you shinny, what are you doing if, with that beer? You're gonna yeah. lose your abs. He, he goes, hey man, you gotta try it sometime. <laughs> but it's funny because uh, I mean, from a lot of people who know me, it's like I was never really like a party kind of guy, right? And like drinking was just never my thing. Mm-hmm. And so that beer that I was actually holding for that at the party was not actually beer. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was water inside of it. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to, okay, like appearance. Yeah, like yeah. you know, um, but I was naturally drinking. I was bamboozled. <laughs> and then the you fire, you get know, caught by the cough. Yeah. What's that in your hand? It's water. I yeah. swear. <laughs> <laughs> but that's funny because, like, yeah, that was like one of my first high school parties ever, which it's crazy. <laughs> Probably didn't go to any after that. The fucking cops always show up. Yeah, it's oh yeah, yeah especially around here. And everyone just darts into the woods. Cops everywhere. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times you would just go to a party and it would get like busted, and then just like twenty high schoolers just flock to the <laughs> woods and they just separate. Yeah, those are funny. That's what I'm saying. So, do you want to give everyone a little background on yourself? Sure, you sure. All about? Yeah, man. Yo, yo. Um, so I'm Shindy. <laughs> I'm Shindy. I'm here. Uh, it's my first time ever on the podcast, actually. So thank you guys for having me. Thank this you. Is, of course. Uh, it's a real pleasure. You're the first guest to see our air hockey table. <laughs> I love it. it. Looks amazing. Anyways, um, <clears throat> I'm Shindy. A little bit about me. I am um, 22 now. I think. <laughs> not sure. Just kidding. Age is just enough, Age is just now. Yeah. Just kidding. I'm 22. Uh, entrepreneur, um, filmmaker, director, content creator, <clears throat> and uh, I went to high school with Jake and Andrew. And then, as you heard at the beginning, I I did some work with uh, Alex. But anyways, I come from uh, originally. I was born in DRC, Congo. That's in Africa. <clears throat> and then wait drc yeah what, what does that stand for it's a democratic republic Demo- okay yeah republic. so <laughs> Dem- <laughs> democratic republic <laughs> i'm done yeah. smoking okay. before. <laughs> but hey you tried um <laughs> <laughs> he said dominican republic like, like, wait a minute i stopped and i was like as soon as that hemisphere. came off my tongue man i was like <laughs> just, just made a silly goose yeah but but anyways that's where i was uh created uh, I was born. <laughs> and, um, I was made in a test tube. You did? You were? I made myself. Oh, wow. I created that's, myself. That's pretty cool. Natural. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I was born in Congo. I grew up in Uganda, and I schooled in America. Um, so in Congo, I left. I was about five, six. And then uh, <clears throat> I grew up in Uganda in Kampala in this small little village town called uh Nabutiti. what and was the what was the area like do you remember well i do remember i was actually i visited back back in february actually so um, yeah he told me some crazy stuff. <laughs> I, just, I love travel stories like yeah. hearing about africa the world everything i love hearing about Dude, it so just... you you must go uh so it's different me trying to explain to you how it looks like than you actually experiencing for yourself right so mm-hmm. it's so much different it's like it's like living in a different world out there. Um, everything is different. Roads, food, people, um, weather. It's uh, 
think of like a California weather, but a little harder. Like a dry mm. heat. Yeah. It's a beautiful country. Uh, and if you love wildlife, you're yeah, in for exactly. a trip. Mm. So, I mean, we have a few safaris there. Um, what is it? it it's it's um, it's an, it's below the equator, so it's in the southern right. hemisphere. That's what like I on said, the right yeah. right side of the southern it's, part. No, like it's like right smack in the middle. So you know how it has that little. Mm-hmm. It's right there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, that's what I was basically trying to tell you. You know. <laughs> Do you have any like notable memories with any of the wildlife, or just at all? Well, um, so not really. Um, a lot of the times when people go, uh, you will be guided by tour, like the, 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 uh, what them call them, the rangers. The ranger okay. People, so they're right? all in sanctuaries. Yes. But, uh, the place where I was some places, uh, and one of the reason why I'm actually very afraid of dogs is because there is a few, some places, not everywhere. There are some wild dogs, like wild yeah. dogs that uh especially untrained so if you see one you have to be really fast like run um <laughs> are you afraid of like all dogs or just big dogs so for me i did not know a difference for a while uh a dog for me was just a dog that was wild um okay and uh funny my brother actually was attacked by one so that watching that uh also just kind of traumatized me a little bit that's not funny uh it's it's (laughs) not funny no um but a lot of the dogs that were more i guess non-wild were mostly tourists who would come down and they have their trained dogs but they would always have something on their mouth i don't know what those things are called yeah kind of yeah and so and I've been chased by dogs a few times. And mm. so my first interaction with a dog here in America, I was actually with a friend. Um, we oh. were, we were, it was in Percival. It was at Locust Grove neighborhood, that neighborhood right there, right? <clears throat> and that's this massive dog just barking at me. The first thing I did, turn around, ran as fast as I could. <laughs> I, was, I was really scared. He looks back. He's like laughing. So I was like, yo, like, where are you going? I'm like, bro, no, I see a dog right there. I'm not getting any closer. Um, but he's like, nah, it's friendly, man. But just like, again, just coming from a place where dogs are not very, very, very usual, like here, I guess. Usual? Like, domesticated. Yeah, domesticated. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. Um but after that i mean i started getting used to it the more i would hang out with my friends who got dogs in their houses and stuff and like you know i mean i still get scared when i see a massive dog that i don't know he, 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 he stopped when i told him that jake had a big old dog he literally stopped on the hill he's like where is it I'm like, he's yeah up, he's upstairs no because at first i thought he was he was joking right uh, and then he was like have you ever seen a uh, what did you say uh african bull master yeah i was like what are you talking about and he was like uh, you know at first i always want to know how big is the dog mm-hmm. you know is it jumpy is it no. you know but a little one i don't mind those ones you know oh, i mean yeah. you saw how interacting with the little one, one here but yeah, it's always the big ones that scare the crap out of me 
Yeah, Jake will tell you he's a friendly cutie. I tell everyone how it is for real. Yeah. We're very particular on who we introduce to him because Jake has to stand by him. Uh, Jake can tell you his backstory, but he's very cautious. uh, And if you make any sudden movements, he'll go. He'll go. mm, It's not a joke. He one time I hadn't seen him in a long time, yeah. and he's, his head's bigger than yours. He's a oh, big. His head is dog. probably the size of my body. Yeah, Dang. he hadn't seen me in a long time, and I walked quickly past him. He just got up and nipped my calf, Jeez. and then immediately his dad was up buzzing him, shocking him, and then Jake just comes by and yeah. just Rocky. I'll be, I'll be, and then out. he just. <laughs> Yeah, just so he, he, know, he knows when he does something bad, but yeah. he's a bit. And it took me four or five years yeah. up until like recently. Now I'm not afraid of him. I got drunk and like straight up got in his face and like played Dang. with him. But when he starts playing, he starts playing. Mm-hmm. His crazy. paws are this big. He's got na- that nobody's. Everyone's afraid to clip his nails, so he just swats. He goes. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Snout. I'm going to tell you guys a story and all the listeners are going to feel like assholes for thinking my dog's a dick. <laughs> but so we rescued Rocky when he was, he was a year well, old. His name is Rocky. Yeah. That's a cool name. Yeah. Right. And the little one is Pebbles. So Pebbles. That was that little dumb fuck you saw. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that dog just has so much happiness. But Rocky, we rescued him when he was one years old. He's a big boy now, but he probably weighed 120 when we got him. Mm. Like you could see his rib cage. He had cigarette burns out on him. He had matted fur, like like he was bad um wow and so they rescued him from like a dog fighting arena and they would keep like 20 dogs in a cage like not even the size of this room and they would just throw in some meat and rocky he's a big dog but he's Mm. the runt like he was the runt of his breed he was the smallest dog in there so all the other dogs would like attack him and fight Mm. him whenever he would try to take the food so he would never eat so he got skinny and all that and then he would never listen, and he was weak, so he wasn't winning fights. So then the owners would abuse him, put cigarettes out on him and shit. Wow. So, yeah, dude, like, he's scared of people, cigarettes, and, like, new people scare the fuck out of him. Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah. But once once he trusts you, he's the yeah. dog you want to protect you. On your right. side. Like, when he's, he'll, I've seen it, he'll put his back towards me. And then, oh, wow. like, yeah, if they he'll put his back. back towards me and like stare at Alex, for yeah. example. And I've heard also <laughs> yeah. too um, that uh, rescue dogs like that are very protective. Yeah, he's a loving, very protective yeah. animal. That's really cool. I mean, I think animals definitely. I mean, it's definitely after seeing Rocky versus Pebbles, animals I think have like trauma and empathy through that. I don't know how to explain that. Just like they become more loving after right. they're saved. They're more empathetic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. After years of being in America, I've, I've definitely gotten used to dogs a lot. And I've babysat actually a few. Um, I love dogs now. Like I was about I, to say, would you ever yeah. get one? Oh, definitely. That's that's uh, that's on my list, like getting a dog. Um, probably like a golden noodle or something. Oh, uh, golden, <laughs> golden noodle. Doodle. doodle. Not noodle. Those, are, those dogs are cute. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, lo- I love dogs now. And like, I mean... I still have the anxiety when I see like a like a a pit bull that I have no background of, like don't know the owner any of that, right? But if I know, like once I again, once I get to know the dog, will become really tight. So it's it's cool. But when I went back, actually in February, <clears throat> it's different now. Um, things were different. Um, 
a lot has changed in seven and a half years and uh mm-hmm. which is nice um so yeah if you ever you know like they've, ready, they've changed as in they've improved over those improved, seven years yeah the thing a lot of things have improved mm-hmm. over the seven years and uh things are much calmer and uh smoother i would say so how is the <clears throat> culture different from here the culture <laughs> dude the everything <laughs> i know but i want to hear it first what do you want to hear for that's a big question oh, oh, oh <laughs> i don't know I, I guess you can just did kinda... you experience a lot of tribal culture tribal culture yes so uh where i was there was so many different cu- kinds of cultures right um and so um every culture was different um well i mean africa is Every single part of Africa is a different, came from a different tribe. Right, tribe. right. So actually in Uganda, <clears throat> where I grew up from, it's like you have so many different cultures and each culture has a different language. And so you have Sudanese, you have Ugandans, you have Congolese, you have Banyankores. Um, and all these people, um, their cultures are very different. So like for me, I'm a Congolese, right? And mm. so... I'm in Uganda with a Ugandan, right? And so um, one of my famous traditional culture food is uh, called Bugali and Sombe. Uh, I don't know how I would describe those in English. But the Ugandan one, the Ugandan famous dish is Matoke and Binyebwa. And so those are two different dish. But then each culture, they are... They both have uh, had, they they know each culture's, um, what should we call it? Like background. Background and the dish. Mm. Like not necessarily how to make it, but like they they serve them there. It's not just because like, oh, we're in Uganda, we don't serve like Congolese dish or something like that. It's like, there's a lot of diversity out there. So they, Africa <clears throat> shares its culture through its food. Yes. It's and sweet. food and clothes different um and uh a bunch of other things i mean even in africa there's not just africans in uganda there's indians there's a lot of indians hmm. there is a lot of um uh, illiterate ethiopians and it's a big diversity of people uh, with different backgrounds and cultures so it's really really cool and uh you know if you ever get to visit down there you'll see what i mean even Americans, there's a lot of Americans out there who have lived there for a while and made their home there as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the richest man in the world right now is South African. Who is that? Who's that? Elon Musk. Oh. Mm. He's South, no, I never knew that. <laughs> He's from South Africa. South Africa. Um, which, in my opinion, I think, South Africa is just like America. That's what I was about to ask yeah. you because I mean, like <laughs> him. The reason I brought that up is he's South American. He's South African, but he's like he's really white. How yeah. does that is there is that American population in the South, and that's what you I can- think so. I mean, I've I haven't been to South Africa, but I've heard a lot that uh, is yeah a, a big majority of the population is American a lot, um, but. Don't quote me on that. That's what I've heard a lot. Um, but yeah, and if you really want to experience 
Africa and the and the culture, I would say you either go to Uganda, Kenya, or Congo, um, then you would really get the full experience. Because South Africa, I've heard, is just like you being in yeah. somewhere in America, right? Um, but yeah, it's 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 different, um, very different. Mm. Oh, there's just some feedback. It's all yeah. I can hear. I was <laughs> yeah. about to ask, like, <laughs> so, <laughs> a little buzzing, buzzing. Yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, so yeah. Uh, to answer your question, you know, um, there is a lot of differences in the way people dress, the way people, the way they make their food, and the transportations, and uh, you know, the other thing that I realized here is transportation where a lot of it there you see a lot of uh, what we call boda bodas boda boda meaning motorcycle mm. so um there's a ton of boda bodas out there in terms of because there's so much like traffic and it's not as controlled as here where if you're gonna if you're on a highway right you stay on the right going um like if you're on route seven Right, and mm. you come into Persville, you're on the right side, right, and if you go in Lisbon, you're on the left side, mm. and so there isn't really a whole lot of that order. So it's like vehicles are just like passing each other, like it's just like one okay. long lane. Yeah, basically. Are there speed limits and or traffic lights at all? So just rare. Yeah. Um, but again, as I said, things have been improving a lot. When I went back there, I saw a few, but not very. Like th those few are more like in the city areas, mm. uh, like in Kampala, right? So I just thought of something. You may not know the answer to this, but it's just, I'm kind of curious. Um, what do you see as like the main? How do t cities or towns get their power? Um, is there a, a continental power supply um, that runs across the country, or is it? So a lot of it they get it from. Uh, the continent, I mean. This uh, uh, river, Lake Victoria. So they have uh, hydroelectric. Yes. Uh, so that's where a lot of the power comes from. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a it's a very big lake. Um, but and it's also one of the famous lakes down there. Um, so that's where a lot of power comes from. Um, and power is not like... So here's another thing that I actually laughed at myself when I went back to revisit because I forgot being here for almost eight years. When power goes out here, there is something wrong or something is happening, right? Mm -hmm. Over there, power goes out like it's it's a normal thing there. Like we'll be sitting here and power will go out. Oh, and then we just light condos, right? Hmm. But when I was down there and I was staying in the hotel, power went out, and I my first thing was, "What is going on?" Right? Because because well, you've been in America, for yeah, so long. and and the power to go out in America is like very unlikely, mm -hmm. you know. And then I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, because I where I grew up, it's like barely ever had fire. I mean, not fire, but like electricity. Mm -hmm. So you use either condos, uh, no stoves never had stove to cook on so we used uh what you call it uh charcoal okay charcoal to cook and everything yeah to cook hmm. and um you know here you have 
in the showers you have hot waters right <laughs> there's no that mm. get used to like, cold there's, water there's no hot water there at all there is or hot water it's just you, when the power goes out no no or? no there is so if you stay in the hotel you're gonna pay for the hot water right oh. but let's say you're living more like in a village area type you're gonna use the well water to there's no like showers like unless you're living in a hotel again where it's more like a fancy kind of thing mm-hmm. but uh you're gonna get like a, a bucket of water and that's what you're gonna use to shower so i mean all those little things i was just i kind of just forgot how like that's how it is a lot home and i just I got so used to the lifestyle here that yeah, <laughs> it caught you off guard. It, yeah, You're like wait, what's it happening? caught you off guard a little bit. So yeah, that was the one funny thing. I was just like, oh my, oh my god, like this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but so, yeah. Do you think like I'm just kind of out there, just food for thought, I guess. Yeah. Um, would you rather see Africa? Like, let's say we can. <clears throat> they lay fiber optics across the whole country. Mm. Now there's power feeding through the whole country. You won't get those power outages. You're going to get hot water. Um, I mean, Africa would shoot up. Would you, do you see that as something they're working on or something you'd want to see? Or do you see it as needing to make, like preserve the culture that it is and preserve the land? Um, definitely that is something I would like to see. Um, but again, I am not a hundred percent like sure. Um, I mean, that would change everything. It would. It, it would definitely change everything. Um, but I'm not sure. But it would be nice. That would be. I mean, that sounds just from what you've told me. I mean, you know, that'd be nice. That would be. Yeah, <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> You told me um, some stories about the soldiers. So, like, how is the... Because they didn't hear it. How is the, like, the police force there different? And how is it, like... Because you said there was, like, a curfew and stuff. Right. Um, so... But you, I think you also said that might have had something to do with COVID. Well, or, yeah. So, yeah. That, that was another thing that um, I saw when I went back was... Uh, so, the police there is different the way they operate than here. In Uganda? In Uganda. Um, it's more like a military police. Um, and, uh, well, while I was down, you know, due to COVID, you know, here they enforce... I, I remember they tried to enforce a curfew. Like, you have to... I think it was like 10 p.m. or 11, something like that here. The first, like, two weeks. Yeah. There was that lockdown two weeks here. Yeah. But you won't find a police officer on the road waiting for people. Like, okay, like, no. you know, so the, that, that was the thing when I went back. It's like <clears throat> the curfew there is 9 p.m. And the funny thing is during the day, the city is packed. People are everywhere. It's like, does COVID even exist? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Wow. Right. And so, but there is curfew at 9 p.m. And so at night, if you're outside, <laughs> there's going to be police outside and they will punish you for being outside per curfew. And what I mean, punish you is like, they got like, you know, their sticks and they'll just keep you in the, in the, uh, which the little prison for a night and you have to pay like some fees for breaking the curfew law restriction. And so they take it very seriously. Um, 
very, very seriously. Um, but yeah, uh, there isn't again, a whole lot of like enforcement on you be driving and then you get pulled over. I mean, there is, but like very likely, unlikely, very unlikely to where it's like, you just see a cop sitting there waiting for you, um, to break a speed limit, you know? Um, but when you do, you'll be in trouble, you'll pay. <clears throat> but there is a lot of uh, military police officers now, out active. Is that just in Uganda or so, in every country? Well, Uganda is where I've mostly yeah, spent my... Fair. Yeah, so that's pretty much uh, what I've seen a lot. Um, Can you tell that story you told me or should you not? What story did I tell you? You, you said um, at one when you were there at one point you were accidentally out past curfew. All right. <laughs> well, so while I was down there, actually, it was for my sister's wedding um, that we went to celebrate, and the hotel that I was staying at, um, it was at least twenty minutes from where uh, my sister was staying. And so we were coming back because um, we, were, we were stuck in traffic on the way back and we were running out of time and it was almost nine and uh, we start freaking out. Oh my gosh, it's curfew time. And so we pull up and we're like five minutes away from the hotel and there's like police lined up right there. Um, <laughs> and they're like, where are you guys going? Um and we said, we're just going to the hotel. Uh, do you realize it's curfew time? Um, and said, yes, sir. Um, and we knew the, the way to get out of that trouble is you either say you're coming from the airport and you wasn't sure about the curfew or you will face the consequences of being out during curfew. Mm. And so we happen to have like a receipt in the car. Um, and we're just like, yeah, we're just coming from the airport. We're heading to the hotel and we're five minutes away. He's like, let me see proof. So we just pull out a receipt. Uh, I don't even think he read it because <laughs> we had already been uh, there for three days and uh, the receipt were from like that very day. Uh -huh. Nothing like related to the same date yeah or the airport <laughs> and so he just looked at it luckily they let they let us like drive through but if we didn't have anything like that so it was just a random piece of paper just a random piece like <laughs> a random piece of uh receipt yeah yeah and you know we would have been punished for being out during curfew mm. yeah, but geez. uh likely we didn't and uh yeah so when i say they take things very seriously in terms of order and uh you know, enforcements like that, especially COVID, they do take it seriously. Um, so, yeah. I, <laughs> In comparison, it sounds like they just have, uh, like comparing it to America, like with America, they're like tiny levels to the yeah. law. Like, and then the punishment like equates to what the crime was. There, it sounds like they're just very strict like guidelines. And if you break them because there's so little of them, the punishment is just so much worse. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Do you ever see all the countries in Africa uniting under one democracy? Uh, Not that I, I don't think 
I mean, oh, personally, I don't question. think. I, I was just because <laughs> I don't think they should. Uh, to that question, I'm not sure. Um, just because, like, every country in Africa is different. Exactly. And they like to do their. They like to work. They like to do their things their way, and so I. I wouldn't really know. Yeah, that's that was the perfect answer. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. I want to change. I want to change the subject. Yeah. So I want to rewind it back to like when I met you, like in uh, high school, like probably four or five high years school. ago. You were you're a big bodybuilding guy. You were known as the big black african bodybuilder <laughs> <laughs> so how did how did you get into like bodybuilding and working out whoa because you were you were like bodybuilder bodybuilder i was bodybuilder bodybuilder <laughs> how much did but, you weigh like so at max? yeah so to give you just a little backstory uh my transition to america which uh was a big transition because you are walking into a new country, new culture, and there's a lot of adjustments to be made. And I didn't really speak the language mm-hmm. um, when I got here. So I was 130, 125, 130. Uh, when I got to Valley, my first year, I was a little dude. I was a twig. Yeah. Um, but... You know, my transition here was uh, it was really, really hard because adjusting to especially high school. That was that was I was my first time actually like seriously going to school, um, like being in a legitimate classroom. Yes, um, and so I had a goal in mind, and I I was on a mission when I came to Valley, and my goal and mission was. I want to be able to leave this place uh, knowing the language, leaving a mark, and uh, making the most out of it. And so, and learning was always something that I've always yearned or like craved so badly is to go to school like every other kid my age, right? And so, me having this opportunity was big for me. It was huge. And... My first year, it was hard because um, my accent was very thick mm. and no one could barely understood me. And so me trying to fit into, you know, the social the, groups, the social groups even was, especially as a teenager in and of itself. Yeah, was hard. it was hard. I got mocked. I got made fun of. I. Picked on a Ooh, little. Give me their names. Andrew, it's no. you. No names. <laughs> <laughs> no names. So that being hard for me to make friends and like fit into the social, I realized the the best way for me to continue on and stick to my goal was to, if I can't make friends with people here, my best friends are going to become my teachers. And so I shifted into trying to fit in so bad into making my teachers and administratives my friends because I knew those were the people who were going to help me the most in terms of learning and adapting. Mm. And so I made my teachers, every teacher of mine was a best friend of mine and my guidance counselor was a best friend of mine. So that itself, they became a huge help 
of me in terms of learning. And I stayed every day after school with my English teacher. Uh, shout out to Mrs. Hargitay and Mrs. Henry. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they helped me a bunch. I always had my translator with me in classes and I always had extra help in school. And so that, um, you know, made me start feeling a little better knowing that there's actually people who want to help me mm. a lot. And I was in uh, ELO class, classes, which is uh, the international kids. I hated it because one, I'm in class with kids who are also trying to learn the language. How are we going to learn? How are we going to communicate if yeah, I'm if in you the same class? Put all the kids who are, I guess, yeah. I don't want to say lack of a better word, struggling right. with the language altogether. Right. You would learn better around being who, around people who, who are speaking I'm assuming English. come from different backgrounds yes. and different languages. So I'm in a class with a Spanish speaker, Arabic speaker, and I'm a Swahili, Luganda speaker. How are we going to communicate for both from different dialogues, you know? Right. And so even the teacher in the class only speaks Spanish. The teacher don't speak my language. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, so that was not really helpful. Mm -hmm. Well, not only speak Spanish, Spanish and English. So it was more helpful to the Spanish speakers because um, he spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. But he didn't speak my language. So I always had my dictionary with me of all time. And so I so I remember telling my guidance counselor, I want to get out of this program, put me in a normal kid program. Because for me, the best way I learn, one is hands-on and listening and interacting mm. a lot. And I think that's what really like boosted my English big time. So uh, I started putting myself a lot out there um, and still working with teachers on the side you know after school i watched a ton of cartoons youtube videos anything that could help me i started reading um but i still really like didn't like how i was still struggling to fit in with the culture and the people and the cool kids and so i decided i wanted to make a change and in my physical appearance as well and so what became my outlet like my getaway was working out i loved the feeling i didn't i couldn't afford a gym membership back then so i it was more like anything body weight that I could feel the pump kick in it felt amazing you know mm. um and so every time that i feel some kind of way if it's an interaction that i received from school that day from a kid or something I'll take it as motivation and I'll go home, study more, work out, and it became my everyday routine. And so I fell in love with the process of just working on myself and my mental health and my physical health. And, uh, you know, it, it, be, it became addicting. And every day, every night before bed, I would do three sets of 100 push-ups, sit-ups, Anything body weight you could think of, I did. And so I started seeing, because you know that first stage when you're starting to work out and you're new to it, mm. it's easier. It like your your muscle memory, it's it picks up quickly and you build quicker, but then you hit a plateau to where you hit a wall at that. And for me, I can only do so much of body weight at that point anymore. And I wanted to keep going and I realized... The best way I could do that is to join some type of a sport. 
because that would give me access to the gym in the school. And so I joined football. I remember that. <laughs> I was a little fat kid. And, <laughs> dude, I was just a little fat kid on the football team. And I had like no fucking friends. And I remember you, Shindy, joined the team. And my first time ever meeting you, Shindy, you just walks up to me with like this big ass smile. He's like, what's up? I'm, I'm with Shindy. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. so nice to me. Like, Hi, I'm Jake. <laughs> yeah. My, like, I mean. He, he was the most the friendliest person, man. But I mean, like, you know, that, me joining the team, I think, was also one of the the biggest favor I ever did for myself mm-hmm. because um, one, it just opened up a lot of doors for me. And two, um, you know, uh, the football team became like family to me um, and I made friends. Yeah, because you were good. <laughs> I was not good. You know, football was uh, super new to me. So football was super new because football for us is soccer. I was going to say it's soccer. Yeah, and I never played soccer. It was just, it was not my thing. Is rugby a thing? So I found about rugby when I came to America. Okay, okay. Yeah, but football was the most popular. All my brothers played football, soccer meaning. Uh, and so for me, football was like, the, to be honest, uh, again, another reason why I was so joined is it looked badass. Like seeing kids and pads and jacked and huge and it's like, yo, I want to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so... um. When I joined, remembering like I, I was still this little guy, have no clue what I'm put like what I'm about to get into, but I just remember everyone being really nice to me, the coaches being really nice, and like again, nothing better than getting a free gym membership through a football team, going Absolutely. to school, you know, using the school equipment in the mornings and stuff, and so I became really close with the entire team and. Uh, my best friend till now was my running back coach, Officer Sheb. Uh, He's a great guy. I love that guy. Amazing dude. Yeah, I love him. Um, but he he was my running back coach because that's the first position I, you know, I, I attempted to. And um, I remember making some progress. Um, I started getting bigger, stronger. My English started improving. I was, because I was surrounded with people who actually were, wanted to help me and they were being genuine about it and like I would mess up or like um speak something that didn't make sense they would correct me and then I would learn even from that and it felt good you know and uh (laughs) funny I remember the first time I ran in football we played Martinsburg West Virginia the big boys um it was when coach McGrath was still coaching and Sheb was just like, Irish Indy, you ready to go out there? I said, yes, I'm ready to go out there. <laughs> Me, this little, little small dude, and that's his giant kids. Um, and I just remember the first time I grabbed that football. Man, I was nervous. To the point where I forgot to follow my lead. I went the complete opposite way. Ooh. And I just see these two massive dudes coming at me. And I just remember closing my eyes, standing in one place. I would just take the heat. And I got hit so hard. I just like lay down, lay my hands out, let go of the ball. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, you can take it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, here you go. And I fumbled. And uh, that was the first time I felt the taste of getting the heat. 
That was probably football. a rush. It was crazy, but then it felt good. Well, fumbling, not good, but like after that, you know, it just like started getting better and better. And so fast forward, um, you know, I made some progress. I made some friends and uh, I got heavy into fitness. And so, uh, and then my English was improving a lot as well. And then I was, I was I, I can take this fitness thing somewhere. You know, I want to make an impact. I want to touch people. Uh, I want to, you know, um, put a message out there. And uh, that's when I started thinking of competing into bodybuilding because I got, I got massive. I remember my junior year, I got so big. People are accusing me of steroids use <laughs> and like, I just, I just got so into lifting. I was eating six meals a day, protein shakes, um, you know, uh, lots of water because I was very active all football. I also started running track and, you know, lifting a ton. And that's why you fit came in play with Shindy Fitness. Um, because I wanted to take my message of everything that, like, the transitions I went through and, like, to help inspire another kid who might be in my shoe to, hey, look, man, like, you don't have to try to fit into so hard, right? Um you'll fit like you fit in your own unique way and you can use those abilities to make something happen for yourself and like you don't have to have validation from anybody or you don't have to let people's words or whatever you know they throw at you eat you to the point where you just give in and just give up completely from even trying because if I had done that, if I had take people's mocking, people's like making fun of my accent, people just like coming at me like that, I wouldn't even be here today, you know? But I used that as a motivation to, this is going to get me somewhere one day. I don't know where, but it's going to get me somewhere. You shouldn't be, I'm you so know? motivated. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, you're, that, that story you told is super admirable. Like that just you, the culmination of like 25 minutes. The, well, title, the title of this episode is going to be Yushini Nalmagabi, <laughs> a.k.a. T'Challa, the mindset motivator. Right? Well, it's amazing that you took all of these things and you you picked the like a positive outlet right. to improve yourself every single time. Right. And that's that's amazing to me. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, see, that was this whole story about you fit. You mm. fit. Like, it don't matter if you don't fit in with the cool kids. You fit in your own way, oh right? Oh, my God. That's you know what fucking I mean? guy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and I so. I it that way. It's just like fitness. No, you nope. fit. Fitness. <laughs> in your mouth. There, there no. are layers. There are so yeah. many layers to it. Right. And for me, fitness was an like outlet food. for me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 made me, it made me feel alive, you know? And uh, I used that. And so whatever that you have that makes you feel, that makes you come alive, use that, you know? Uh, at the end of the day, is you building you. People's words don't mean nothing or people's words, they're not who you are. You know what I mean? So as soon as I started looking that in my head, everything started working out for good. And I remember, I just remember like when I started that movement, I would get, so many positive messages from like younger kids who had no idea they were looking up to me in my work i had no idea that was another that was another like 
big um just like emotions like it was it came with a lot of emotions just like just knowing that what i'm doing somebody else is looking up to it just wanted me to it pushed me to go harder and just like continuing to do my best at what i was doing and i remember i got interviewed for the magazine um one of the school magazines they do and uh you I know i remember seeing that <laughs> And uh, that was that was that was uh, just another cool reminder of like I have to stick to my purpose and my goal because my goal one of my goals was to leave a mark. I wanted to be remembered for something bigger than just where I come from. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to make an impact. Uh, you know, knowing that okay, I came here um, as an immigrant who doesn't speak the language and i want to show other kids who are kind of in my same shoe that you can do the same you can you can learn it if you actually want to you know and for me i wanted to bat i knew i need to learn this language i needed to do it fast because if you live in america and you don't speak the language it's really hard to to survive in america yeah, you if you don't speak the language. a lot mm-hmm. yeah and so i never wanted to be in that shoe at all and so that literally motivated me every single day to continuing to get better at it and so i remember once youfit started growing a little it was uh it was an amazing feeling um and just seeing people actually like doing something for themselves and using that as an inspiration um and that's where the merchandise also coming in. And that was my first business ever. That was, and that's when I started realizing, like, okay, like, I um, I have the entrepreneurship spirit in me as well. You know, I wanted to um, <clears throat> I wanted to create something that was more than just a you know you sell and make money out of it, but something that has a strong meaning behind the you fit part. You know. Um, and that comes also with my story, you know? And so that was that that was a that was another way of that helped me to connect even with more people. And uh, you know, coming from trying to fit in so hard to now I'm actually with people who care about me and mm-hmm. I care about them and they help me and my English started to get even better so fast it was ridiculous i was even so here's the funny part my speaking english part it sounds like oh dude you picked it up really really fast but that's because i was around with english speakers a lot mm-hmm. but when you tell me to sit down and do a classroom work english to write essays stuff like i still struggle in those areas because those are the areas that i picked up slowly but then the speaking and the hearing part i picked up really fast right um and that also just like i realized that i'm a huge people person i love people you know and so you've clearly never worked in customer service <laughs> what do you mean i never you worked did. in customer i worked in a five-star resort for a year and a half oh that's facts yeah <laughs> i still i worked majority, majority of the jobs i've had yeah. are customer service and i still love people right but I don't like you know, serving them so after that my high school transition that was yeah, in like 
made friends with my teachers until now I still have a very strong connection with my teachers. I made really awesome friends who, um, you know, until today we're still very close and they're always friends who help you get somewhere and, you know, inspired just as you are. And those are the kind of people I always try to surround myself with. Um, and, you know, I remember my senior year, <laughs> um, when I, when I got the prom king thing, which again, I just like, had no idea <laughs> what like, I didn't even participate. I just like, that's how I didn't even know that was going to happen, you know? And I was like, wow, like, it's so crazy how everything is coming together. I did not know all these people knew me in high school, you know, um, all of me. And that was just a really, I, I remember I remember that you got prom king and then the prom queen wasn't even your date if I remember. No, she was not my date. <laughs> she was not they my had date. To awkwardly take a picture together. <laughs> and then I had to dance with her because it was like, oh prom king and queen they have oh. to open up the dance floor. I was just like okay, but that was that was uh that was shocking, man. Um, yeah, because I remember I remember so well. I was outside talking with Sheb, Officer Sheb, my best friend. And I just remember people yelling my name. Yo, Shindy, come in here. I was like, what'd I do? You know? Um, so that was another accomplishment that made me feel good that, you know, if you stick to to your goals and plans and you actually, you want it really bad, things happen. Um, and so I was able to accomplish my goals that I set for myself in high school. Uh, I mean... The results I'm here speaking English right now. Yeah. Uh, from how long has it been? Four years mm -hmm. since we graduated to where wow, coming man. to. Damn, we're old. <laughs> barely speaking English. You know? <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, that's how I got into the whole fitness and bodybuilding. You know, sadly, I never ended up competing as bad as I wanted to. Uh, I did sign up. Um, and I remember my two weeks away from the show, I ended up getting mono. So I was out for a month. And ever since then, I was never able to compete. But I still have the love and passion for fitness. But right now, I'm just onto like different things, very different from fitness. Yeah. Um, and you're doing a lot of film stuff, right? I'm doing a lot of film stuff. Yeah, uh, I was actually—I was going to ask because you started. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I was going to transition into that because you started putting your workouts on youtube and like instagram and i actually follow like i did one yeah. of your ab workouts yeah. for like three months straight like every other day yeah. um would you say maybe that's how you started getting into like photography and videography so because every time i see you, you have some new fucking camera <laughs> like, look, look at this so it's funny <laughs> it, it, it's it's funny because if you ask me like Way back in high school would i see myself like doing content creating stuff that i do today no, I never ever saw myself be a content creator while I was in high school. In high school, I saw myself more like a computer science kind of guy mm -hmm. because I remember uh, I taught myself HTML coding. And when I took, I went to Monroe Tech for a year, but that was for graphic design. And then I was really into computers a lot. And I built my first Raspberry Pi, Raspberry Pi at my junior year of high school no close to senior of Raspberry high school pie. 
Raspberry Pi. It's a small little computer that you can build up. Um, oh. And I was also a teacher helper for Mr. Schneider. I don't know if you remember Mr. Schneider, the computer science guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I was, I was a TF for him for a little bit. So I was really into computers. But my first year of college, I realized it's not my thing. Um, it was just yeah. not something I wanted I, to over do. Over COVID, I taught myself HTML and CSS. And then I have a, a certificate in web design. And yeah. after I got it, I was like, what the fuck did I do this for? <laughs> yeah. I don't even like yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. But it's weird. It's, it's weird because like all my transitions to what I've been doing, again, it's funny. One of those things that you think you know what you do. You, you think you know what you want to do, but things are always changing. Mm-hmm. Um, Your likes and interests are yeah, always changing. Yeah, always changing. Because in high school, I got my personal training certification when I was so into fitness. I started training for, I trained for like two years, trained people, and I realized, man, this is this is not what I want to keep doing. I enjoyed it, loved it, but uh, I felt like I could do more. And that's when I started... Um, uh, the content creating photography and video um and all that just having a little background on just me creating my own youtube videos like you said i used to post a lot of workout videos on my youtube channel and i would edit them myself shoot them myself on my phone but i fell in love with the process even more while Mm -hmm. i was doing that and i was just like huh i want to try you know shooting videos for people other than just my own videos um and then that's when i i started shooting my first client was a realtor ryan clegg who i i've had a long-time partnership with now and my first gig i shot on my iphone edited on my iphone and that money that i got invested into the equipment that i first had and the camera that i bought and the software and it just took off from there and uh i really like loved it so much that i stopped everything else that i was doing to full send into the production and ended up forming my first llc business with loader visuals that now is my full production agency um oh yeah so you you actually started out with because i'm actually currently getting my associate's degree in film production at nova right now so you just started like filming realty videos so yeah, so I started actually shooting YouTube videos, fitness mm. videos. Right. Right. And uh, for clients, it started with real estate. Mm. Uh, so I was shooting house listings. Mm. Um, and then from there, uh, I was also working, while I was doing that, I was working actually at the Five Star Resort in Middleburg. Um, I don't know if you guys want me to mention the name. I worked or, there too. You did? Yeah. yeah. And so I worked there for a little bit. I didn't like it. What'd you uh, do? I was a server assistant at the Harriman's restaurant, but um, I was a zipline adventure guide. Oh, you were? <laughs> That's, was that fun. cool? It was fun. Yeah. yeah, but I did that for a little bit. But once I started really, really going deeper into the production, I actually stopped working, and that's when I started investing in equipment. And so, yes, it started with real estate videos, and then I started transitioning into uh, corporate corporate videos uh and the way i was able to put myself out there with corporates because again i worked at the salamander where um that's where i started like submitting my work uh and doing corporate videos for them and that started growing and when that started growing the business started growing 
I invested in more gear. I never went to school for production. Mm. I would say my school was YouTube University. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, same. Yeah. Same. So yeah. It's just like a prime example that you don't need a degree no, to do absolutely no. anything. So for this, yeah. So for this, uh, for this kind of stuff that I do, unless you get the money to drop like that to go to school, but a lot of it, there's so much free resources out there nowadays that I don't think you really need that degree for production or to just shoot videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned through watching other people do it. And then I bought the equipment, got out, got out there and I just practiced a ton. I did it every single day and then it became a pattern, a pattern, 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 pattern. Yeah. It became a pattern to yeah. where I developed my style over a long time of practicing. And then, um, you know, now that I work that would take me, when I started four hours, it would take me like an hour just because now I learned from learning the basics, I was able to create my own workflow and style. And so it's like, it's one of those things that you start getting creative in your own way mm. once you learn the basics. And so, and what else are they going to teach you in college? This is how you use a camera. Yeah, pretty much. You can learn that on you. There's that, a ton yeah. of YouTube. That's why. Videos. Very recently, I've been questioning why am I going to college for that's this? That's the problem. And like, I have. Why am I? Why am I stressing? Because what I'm not doing anymore is not focusing on how I can be creative. <clears throat> I'm basically just trying to get this done in a timeline and yeah. stressing out about the fact that it's graded. Yeah. I but, mean, don't get me wrong. College has its plus, right? Right. To where um, there's nothing wrong with going, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, they will teach you, hopefully, more of like the business side of a production that you might yeah. be like because it's 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 one thing knowing how to create content and it's one thing knowing how to run a business you know mm-hmm. so what college i will say they would do is hopefully they will teach you uh they'll they, they'll help they'll, they'll help you learn all the legal stuff that goes into running a production business mm-hmm. and um how to market yourself breaking all that down the stuff. budget and everything yeah so all that stuff. But again, those are all things that you can learn in your free. I had to teach myself yeah. all of that stuff because I knew me going into this, I need to learn the other side of it as well so I don't fall into trouble. Yeah. And all of that, there's a ton of free resources. Mm-hmm. I learned all my certification classes through LinkedIn Learning, lynda.com. All these, they teach you the business side of the production and also surrounding with people who are in this industry as well will teach you a lot how to go about it mm-hmm. you know for free yeah. absolutely absolutely well that's <laughs> why like the questions yeah you just need to ask the right questions yeah. meet the right people that's that's the problem i have exactly. with my degree with and i'm not counting this semester i'm a semester away from getting an associate in engineering and my coach um has uh well my mentor cup business coach whatever yeah. you want to call it he has a degree in civil engineering mm-hmm. And he said it back. He goes, I got out of school. My first job was 70 hours a week. And I said, fuck this. Um, he yeah. said, he said at best, he goes, oh, fuck, what did he say? He goes, I was being taught, which is what's happening to me right now. He goes, I was being taught engineering by people who went to school to teach engineering, not actual engineers. Mm-hmm. Therefore, wow. I'm being taught how to teach engineering, especially with it being online. Engineering is a very hands-on thing. It sucks. Like, I don't yeah. enjoy it. 
but it's one of those things where like I'm a semester away, I'm not gonna quit. But yeah, yeah. it's it's I don't I don't enjoy it because it's like when when the hell I'm not even gonna use use half the crap I learned. Yeah. I'm in Calc two right now. They all hear they hear me complain about it all the time. <laughs> he said it himself. He goes, oh yeah, true. Yeah. I don't use that shit at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he even bamboozled <laughs> his way through half his classes and like got a degree. Right. But he says you don't even like. I got into my job, um, and it's it's a lot like a pledge and a frat. Mm. Like you're just the bottom of the bottom when it comes to engineering. And yeah. Like you're you're the you're the company bitch. Right. So he doesn't he doesn't oh, wow. even do it. He doesn't even use his degree. He wow. does completely and different I think, stuff. Dude, now. for a lot of people, it's just about getting the degree. It's not about being one being passionate about what you're learning right. or yeah. two trying to actually absorb any of the knowledge like right. you shouldn't you you pushed yourself to learn all of that what you see now in a lot of big colleges is people just well got to get the good grade i'll just cheat my way through this right and then come out with not much see i mean yeah um just to give you an example my first year of college was misery i i love school don't get me wrong. I love, I am, I always love learning. But when I was in college, again, uh, at that age, I, all of our 20s is the year of like discovery, trying to find your purpose and trying to find what you truly want to do, right? I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so my first year of college was all figuring out. And so I was just like, I did not like going to classes and taking classes that I don't feel like I'm gaining anything out of and not knowing what I want to achieve out of it. And so I took a gap year to, to find it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and once I did that, you know, I tried a bunch of things. I tried like, you know, uh, before getting into the production, I tried e-commerce. I tried anything that I thought I liked, you know, until once I started diving deeper into the production, I found my passion for it and I found that I really enjoy it. And aside from that, I also really like decided I wanted to do something that I've always wanted to do that I've never really had the confidence of doing and that was acting. Okay. Um I've always wanted to like be an actor. Yeah. But never really had the confidence to write. And so once I started putting myself out there more, I was like, dang, this is it. Uh, this is it. Like it just it feels it feels right and it really like makes me me it makes me come alive when when i'm out there acting and so the more i started doing that i started discovering it like i love acting and production side and they both go really well together because while when i'm on stage acting i'm observing i'm learning from all these filmmakers who are creating yeah. and then once i'm out there running my production business i can take that knowledge that i learned and apply it into a production and if it's shooting a short film i know how to direct actors because i've been in their shoes so that it works together really well and that's when i realized like okay now if i want to go back to college i know what i want to get out of it confidently and not feel shitty all the time excuse my language not to feel bad all the time <laughs> after classes i'm just like feeling like I'm not really getting anything out of it. So now I can resume back and know, okay, 
I want to pursue acting. And these are the classes that I need to get, you know, going to do that. Yeah. And I'll feel good about it. But, you know, a lot of the things I even tell my friends, if you don't really know what you want to get out of college, do yourself a favor. Take a step back and like just try things out discover like try to discover what you love what you're passionate about not just going out there and getting that paper and actually like going and finding what makes you tick what makes you sparkle you know that's what and I once you find that yeah once you find that you could either not go to school and pursue it or go back to school and pursue it in that drop way. out you know what i mean <laughs> i mean you're right i don't want to finish school now right. yeah but I, at the same time, um, college is not a bad thing, but I just think it's super overrated. You need direction. And uh, it does give you, it, do, it, it does break things down for you. But there's also a lot of things that college doesn't teach you, you know, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my take on college. If you don't know what you want to get out of it yet, try things out. Do you see yourself going back anytime soon? Or like in the future? So, yeah, I didn't actually drop out. A lot of people thought I dropped out. No, you I just, just posed it yeah. to go find what I want to come back yeah. with, right? Like, you're, you could still go and so, just pick up your degree right. at Nova. So, right now, actually, I am uh, planning to go back. Um, not a traditional college, but more of like a acting college. So, I want to go to an acting school to where I can put all my focus onto acting and directing um because i know that will strengthen me in that specific area other than going to college for acting but then i'm in the biology class or a calculus class how how is that going to help me in my acting career and stuff like that so i want to go to a college with the purpose of the exact thing that i'm going for if that makes sense so i'm actually hoping to um to be attending the new york film academy this fall um oh, hell yeah and so that's 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 my plan right now at the same time because i want to be able to keep growing my production business and also still acting and then while acting i can also produce at the same time um so that's that's my goal right now um so yes i'll be going back to college hell yeah sure. man title of this episode <laughs> is ushindi namagabi it's an african renaissance <laughs> yeah right ushindi Ushindi. Well, you said <laughs> Ushindi like 5,000 times. Ushindi. 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 What's good stuff? So Ushindi. where where are you right now in life? Like what, what keeps you busy? What, what keeps me busy? Yeah, what are you doing on a day-to-day? So what keeps me busy is um, my work, um, which a lot of the times it don't even feel like work because this is my passion. Good uh, <laughs> uh so <Yeah>. for, <laughs> you're making for, us all just think about what the fuck we're doing but you guys are doing great though this is <laughs> oh no, no not the podcast no you but you never know outside. where this is gonna lead though yeah you know this oh, is huge this is this is huge it's, <laughs> we're gonna be competing with joe rogan we're gonna, we're, gonna have, we're gonna have joe rogan on but um yeah, he'll be he's, he's gonna talk about his, his dmt trips he goes DMT. you need dmt <laughs> <laughs> but now nah, i mean like um i shoot you know nowadays i, I travel a lot um, I shoot a lot of corporate commercials and company uh, ads, and I also do influencing work uh, for social media. So, like right now, I I work with brands like C4 right now, actually. Um, C4 extend 
and uh, Everman Jack. If you haven't heard of Everman Jack, it's a men's grooming company. So, uh, so if I'm not out there shooting for production or uh, acting, I'm active on my social media, um, with working with brands and stuff like that. And so I'm, I always keep myself busy with things that I really find joy in. And um, I've always been one of like those guys who I like doing a lot, uh, just because I I don't like just doing one thing over and over. <clears throat> um, and so, yeah, if it's not traveling or creating content, uh, working out. When you yeah. travel, are you what are you doing when you're traveling? Are you filming? So a lot of the times when I'm traveling, um, either creating documentary for a client um, or a collaboration um, or for acting. Um, so it, it all depends. Um, so like my previous client who I won't mention any name, um, but it was one of my biggest client of the year. I had to travel to six different states. Uh, in those six different states, I just had to create these mini documentaries for them. And it's not, when I say me, it's not just me. I have a team that I've built um, and uh, to create these and get them going for bigger projects. And so it's, it would be like a three-man production. Uh, and then I'll be either directing and then uh, editing at the end. So everybody has their role in it. But yeah, so traveling is usually work related with clients or a hobby, like trying to pursue this acting thing. Uh, so I would like travel somewhere to go audition for a role. Um, yeah, so it's it depends a lot of the times. Yeah. Are you allowed to say what kind of documentaries you made or no? So, um, yeah, I don't think that's a problem. I mean, a lot of documentaries I do, uh, storytelling. So, um, one, it will be like someone's life wants to tell their story in a documentary way. And then for a company, uh, it will be something as how they started their company, telling their story in a documentary style. And, uh, yeah. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. You shouldn't be, I guess, I'm, I'm just, I'm so impressed. Just Thanks, with bro. everything you said. Same. It's just <laughs> the narrative of your life and your motivation is inspirational. Where do you say the least? Well, I shouldn't have answered that earlier. Never mind. That's good stuff. <laughs> really good stuff. Nah, I appreciate what's it. Your, what's your production company called again? Lota Visuals. L Lota? Mm hmm. L O T A, meaning okay. dream. That's ah. the Swahili word dream. Yeah. Yo, your names. <laughs> I like them. Loda, Loda Visuals. I'll have to look you guys up. You hiring? Thanks, bro. Yeah, you, hiring? <laughs> you hiring? You hiring? internships? Um, possibly at some point soon. What um, you looking for? <coughs> Audio. Well, <laughs> I know how to work. <laughs> um, if I'm hiring right now, it would probably be uh, someone with a strong graphic design. So if I go learn graphic people. design, will you consider me for an interview? Absolutely. Okay. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna learn graphic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. He so thinks where, I'm kidding. Where are you guys located? Um, I'm kidding. So, basically, uh, usually DC area. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, that's where we usually get most of the jobs, okay. corporate jobs, but um, Loudoun County, D.C. area. And so. when you say you're getting the corporate jobs, you're going in and saying like, hey, I want to do a film for you. So with the corporate jobs, um, I already have like ongoing clients that I already do work for. Um, but a lot of the times, if I want to do a corporate commercial video for a new client, then I'll send them my proposal to them and uh, the type of services that we offer within that. And then we'll hop in the meeting. And if they're interested, obviously, I don't ever force a client um, to work with me. Um, if they're interested uh, and if their budget is right or, you know, negotiation stuff goes well, then um, we work. Um, but a lot of the times like we consult before we work. Mm -hmm. So I get an idea of what the client is looking for or want to, uh, you know, achieve. So I know that I can bring value to them. And uh, a lot of the times that's how it goes. So we reach out with our proposals and, you know, get working mm. from there. Cool. Yeah, man. Sweet. Well, Yushini, is there anything else you'd want to talk about? I will say part of my uh, social media... Um, influencing stuff I'm doing a giveaway right now oh, uh, yeah. so anyone who's interested if you are a workout guru or if you love to work out just stay healthy um, I'm running a giveaway on some really good pre-workouts and you'll be receiving a big pack uh, like a really big pack I think it's like uh, four packs of 24 so 24 packs each four packs uh, of pre-workouts from C4. Um, if you've never heard of C4, it's a supplement company. They make really good stuff. So if you want to participate in that, you can go on my Instagram and join the sweepstake. I'll be announcing the giveaway on Tuesday, uh, April 20th. That's a Tuesday. And so just throwing that out there. Um, but yeah, man, uh, it was it was a pleasure. Thank you really for joining us. Yeah. Like, Again, um, don't drop out of college. I'm not telling you to drop but out of college. Honestly, mom, you shouldn't told us. me to. <laughs> no, don't tell your mama told you to drop African out of college. Renaissance <laughs> man told me to drop out of college is useless. He's telling you to get serious about nah, making but, a but But last thing business. I would say, last thing I would say though, is um, for people, younger people out there who are in that discovery process, um, you know, because we all go through that stage. Um, it's good to remind yourself that, you know, um, not everything is always going to go the way you want. Um, and like appreciating the delayed gratification is huge because it builds you up for whatever that come your way to be ready for. And so it's just like, it's all about literally exploring. Because right now, in this age, it's about exploring and finding finding your passion, your calling. Um, don't settle for less or, like, just, you know, listen to, oh, it's, you know, to only be successful ways, college. It's not always just college. And so find what you're passionate about and do it every day. Make the most out of it. And the big one too, it's connections. It's who you know. 
you know, um, and that will get you a lot of places. Um, <clears throat> and make just friends. Like, yeah, make friends, uh, be a people person, um, and connections go a long way. And so never give up, keep going, and uh, be great. That's what I was saying. Be great. Be, be great. great. Guys, Ushini yeah. Namagabi. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Black Renaissance man. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Once again, you can find us on Spotify. Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're also on iHeartRadio. Thanks for joining us this episode, everybody. Yeah. Stay hydrated. Get some rest. Love you. (laughs) 